Sometimes we quote this scripture when there's just two or three in a fellowship. Yeah. And it only took two or three for him to be present. And but the reality of of gathering in his name, there's there's more significance to that than what I'm probably going to say right now. But the reality if if Jesus is in the midst, yeah. if that scripture is true on the basic level of understanding that he's in the midst. What did he do in the midst? Did he just talk? Did he just preach? Did he just show up? No. What did he do? He healed blind eyes. He calls deaf ears to hear. He calls the dumb to speak. He calls uh, legs to walk. He called Lazarus forth from the tomb. Yes. So, so if he's in the midst, our expectation. See, when we come into a meeting and, and, and even in a, in a prayer line, our expectation shouldn't be that just that Brother Stanley or Brother Wayne is going to pray for me about Brother Bob, but the Lord is in the midst. That should be the expectation that, that I'm coming here for the Lord to touch me because the Lord is in His body. And the same Jesus, and we and we even like to quote the scripture that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we like to say these things, but the reality of that many times isn't manifest. And He wants to manifest Himself. He wants a people that have expectation to be healed. That, that I have an expectation if I get in the prayer line. I don't care who's praying for you. I have an expectation that I'm going to be healed because, because you, you know, it's, it's like Peter, why, why do you look on us? You, you know, because the expectation there was the power of Jesus Christ operating through Peter, Paul, or, or whatever other believer was present, right. and and that expectation has has in the I, I hear people talk about the American church from a mind that that people go overseas. I hear brothers say things like that. They go over into Africa and people get healed. They come in America and they can't hardly buy a healing because people have left the expectation. See, in America, and, and I'm, when I make this comment, I'm not against doctors at all. I go to doctors. But in America, people, uh, Christians, ha- many times have more thought toward a doctrine. Like I said, I go to the doctor than they do that I'm going to come according to the Word of God and that, that I'm going to call the elders of the church. In fact, it says for those that are sick to call them. Yes. Call the elders of the church. And they will anoint them with oil. And if they've done any sin, they will be forgiven. And 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 a prayer of faith, and I'm, it will heal them. Yes. So so the expectation in the church should be, God, you're going to heal me. This is what you said in your word, and I'm going to grab hold of your word. There has to come a grabbing hold of His word by us has to. 
that we grab it. We we hold on to it. It's like it's like Sister Faye when they told her she had cancer. You know what she did? She did some she did some natural things. She juiced. She did some things that that she looked at health wise that she should have probably been doing different. And she took some of those serious because all at once the verdict was cancer. And when you get a verdict of cancer, it's very very serious. Yeah. And she stood in the Word. And over and over went into the Word. And and if she's ever, if the opportunity arises, maybe you share, you share out loud or share with you one on one how it works, just share what she did. From the standpoint of the Word. Yeah. And like I said, she, she, she's researched a lot of uh, natural herbs, natural this, natural that. And in fact, she told Anita to go get something the other day. People were feeling sick. Neither went and got it, and she felt better. But, but her reliance a lot of times, you see, we can get even reliance on natural things. And I'm, and I'm all for them. I take some. I take some supplements. I take some natural things. So I'm all for these things, and I'm not against any of them. But my first reliance has to be the Lord. I'm the Lord's body. I belong to the Lord. So as a member of the Lord's body, I have access to Him. You know how much access to God we really have? We have access by His Spirit unto all He is. So if in Him is healing, I've got access to it. I have access. Everything in your mind telling you, surely you don't have access, is lying to you. You have absolute access to the law. Amen. See, 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 Paul says, casting down imaginations that exalt itself against what? The knowledge of God. See, the imagination that comes in your mind, an image. I, I, I listened to a brother a, a year or two ago, uh, part of a message, and uh, found him on YouTube, and I loved what he was sharing, and, and I guess I kind of misplaced it. But he was sharing on the image maker. The imagination of the heart. The image maker. That, that inside of us we have the ability to have images and that, that our life a lot of time is controlled by the image that's in us. And he was sharing along those lines and he went back to the uh, Old Testament the first time, and I can't remember where it was at, but the first, the first place he, he was and he started teaching out of the first place and he said something that was really powerful. You need to go back to the root of the Word. Where did it start? And look at it. So, so anyway, you can flip over to Psalms 2. And I told you last week, I've been there for a long time, and I may be there a lot longer, but we'll see. In one other thought that was really very strong in the midst of the song service in me, and I wanted to share it with you, was sometimes we look out here in the earth, and we see all, all the problems of the world. The church is good at telling you about all the problems of the world, how bad the world is. Yeah. You know that? Really, the church is really good about that. Everything's bad. I don't know if you've ever heard that. I have. 
the children of Israel going on. The children of Israel is in Goshen. If you go back and read the story, and Egypt is going through catastrophe after catastrophe by the hand of the Lord. Goshen, you could say, is prospering. So right in the midst of darkness over in Goshen, there's light. Right in the midst of famine in Goshen, there's plenty. So, so, so my point is that, that right in the midst of it, God supplied to His people. And instead of being a people that looked out at the earth and everything that's wrong with the earth and declaring what's wrong with the earth, why not become a people that declare what's great with God? And the supply of God that's in your midst. Because there's an awesome supply of the Lord that is in your midst. And why not that, let that become the declaration of your lip, of your mouth? What our God has done. What our God does. What, what abundance we have. What am I asking? Because the mind is so caught up in, especially the religious mind, how, you know, how much worse the earth's going to get. Hey, hey, the, 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 you go through history, you read a little history of your Bible, it's pretty bad in, in, in Noah's day. It was pretty bad in Jesus' day when he walked the earth. So, so the, so, and in fact, God said the heart of man is what? Desperately wicked. Who can know it? So the heart of man is still desperately wicked. And I'll tell you who can know it is the Lord. So I can answer that question. He knows the heart of man. He knows what's in man. So God knows that. But right in the midst of that, God has always raised up a people in the midst of calamity. He always has. And that people is to minister Him to the calamity. And instead of ministering Him to the calamity, uh, what, what we have in the church system, for the most part, people want to get out of the, out of the world. Just yeah. get me out. Speak to the situation. Maybe, maybe instead of getting out of the situation, we should speak to it. Amen. That's it, sister. Change the situation. The power to change it is in your tongue. You know that? You have the power of God in you. Do I, do I get up in the morning and the first thing I, I say, Brother Steve, thank God I've got your power in me, Lord. It's usually not. It's, it's get out of my way, I'm going to get a cup of coffee. That's usually the first thing that's in my mind when I get up in the morning is, is getting to the coffee. Now that's me, so I can pick on me. But, so I don't wake up necessarily and walk around saying, thank God the power of God's in me. Well, why not? 
We, we, we like to thank God for the shoes on our feet. We like to thank God for the clothes on our back. And, and I'm all for that. Sure. But what about thank God the power of God's in me? Thank God the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of life has come. Yes. Thank God I have plenty because you're my provider. Thank God that I'm not destitute. Thank God I'm not fatherless. Thank God I can thank God out of the reality of what He's done. Oh, yes. really can. And that has so much significance to me. Because once I start doing that, who 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 whose mind starts feeling better? Mine does. It's, it is much, you know. Yesterday, a lot of things just may not been going my way, and sometimes they're not going my way. And you you have whatever issue you have, you have issues, and. I was worn out, didn't feel good, and I and I and I started reading the Word. Amen. And before I knew it, started feeling better, started thinking better. My mind started shifting. My thoughts started changing. Just simply took the Word, began to work, read. Begin to study, and it was like it, within a couple minutes, five minutes, there was a shift taking place in me. Glory to God. And, and everything that was bothering me started going away. Thank you, Jesus. And Psalms 2. We should have Psalms 2, 6, or part of it anyway, memorized before long. Because I've read it for four, five, six weeks. So if you're not familiar with it, that means you're not paying attention. <laughs> Psalms, Psalms 2, I, I said Psalm 6, Psalms 2, forgive me. Strike that off the record. Psalms 2 and 6. But 2-1, it says, Why do the heathen rage in 2-1? The American Standard says, Why did the nations rage? And the peoples meditate a vain thing, or think a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against Jehovah and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens will laugh. The Lord will have them in derision. Then will he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will tell of the decree. In other words, God decreed it. God appointed it. I will tell of the appointment. Jehovah said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I will give thee the nations for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Now I've said this multiple times in a natural sense. This most likely applied to King David. 
And King David broke the bonds of the enemy. He took the stronghold of Zion. Yes, he, did. he took it from the enemy and not only did he take it from there, he set the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord in Zion, in the speaking of the heavenly place. Amen. So he took it and he set the ark in Zion. But in a spiritual place, the, the one that breaks the bonds of the enemy, the bands of the enemy that you were banded with, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And if we ever really get a hold of that, He broke the bonds that you were bound with. So whatever you've been bound with, He's already broken. You, you may still have some bondage in you, but the answer is knowing Him because He already has done it. It's already done. I don't care what it is. It's already been accomplished. And my answer is really knowing Him. And this morning, I believe we have a very powerful thing to look at. When we look at this, this, Thou art my Son, this day have I begotten Thee. And I, and I probably mentioned this last week and maybe the week before, but Acts 13. So go to Acts 13. As we get there, whenever we read this, most likely our mind goes to Jesus being born of Mary. That's what most likely comes to us. But Acts 13 brings a different understanding to this Scripture. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yeah. So Acts 13, 32 says, And we bring you good tidings of the promise made unto the fathers, that God hath fulfilled the same unto our children, in that He raised up Jesus, as also it is written in the second psalm. Alright. How many would read the second psalm and say that's speaking of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, the writer here says that's what he's speaking of. Yeah, he says that, I mean, it's pretty plain. As it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my Son, this day have I begotten Thee. And as concerning that He raised Him from the dead, now no more to turn to corruption... He hath spoken on this wise, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Holy and sure. Oh, yeah. So they're sure. Amen. God said they're sure. So if God calls them sure, if God makes a decree, then it is. You can bank on it. I can tell you I'm going to give you a million bucks. You can't bank on that because I don't have it. Alright? But if God makes a decree to you, it is. So, so here, He says, to, Thou art My Son, this day have I begotten Thee. Speaking of the resurrection of the dead, Christ was going to raise from the dead because it was already declared He was going to raise from the dead. So already was going to be before he ever became a babe in a manger. Before he ever walked the shores of Galilee, 
It was already in God's mind to raise Him from the dead. And the power of that is that's toward you. And that's what we have to see is the power of that is toward us. He has spoken on this wise, I will give you the sure and holy, holy and sure blessing of David because he saith in another psalm, Thou wilt not give thy holy one to see corruption. For David, after he had in his own generation, served the counsel of God, fell asleep and was laid into his fathers and saw corruption. So, so here with Jesus, he saw no corruption. We, and we dealt with this before. So I'm not going to spend too much on that, but I want you to flip over to Hebrews 1. And if you want to go back and listen to the past lessons, they are on Podbean, Life in Christ Jesus, .podbean.com. So you can go right out there and find them. And if you don't find that, and they're on iTunes. So you can go, if you got an iPhone, you can go to iTunes. You can find these teachings there. And you can go back and listen to them. So, Hebrews 1, 5. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son. Here he is again. So this is pretty important scripture to understand, right? Because... You find multiple references to it. Yes, it is, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And when he again, get all this word again in here. Get Notice this word. As we read over this, and sometimes we don't notice the word. And when he again bringeth in the firstborn, now here comes this term firstborn, mark this, he bringeth in the firstborn into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels winds, and of, and of his ministers a flame of fire, but of the Son he saith. What does God say of the Son? Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of uprightness or righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. The staff, the rod of your kingdom is righteousness. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Now, a couple thoughts here. And we're going to move on. But keep in your mind begotten and keep in your mind firstborn. Jesus' inheritance, being the Son of God, if He was the Son of God, how many believes He was? Amen. I do. Then who would be giving Him inheritance? His Father. So if we, if we get a hold of this in, in, in terms of inheritance, he was inheriting all things of God. Okay. So therefore, he says, Thou, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever, 
a scepter of righteousness forever and ever. In other words, it has no end. It's a scepter of righteousness. Now, the second thing, and I mentioned this while I go, this word again, this is the same word where Jesus was dealing with them in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it says, He came back, He came again. He'd already come once. So He come again. And you remember the story and, and said, so you can't, you, 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 you know, I, maybe it was where they were had already went to sleep, however it was, but He came again and they couldn't watch with Him for an hour, whatever He says there. But the emphasis I wanted to bring out was the word again. So when this word again is also speaking of the resurrection. That's what it's speaking of when He says, and when He again bringeth the firstborn into the world. And what, what again, what's the key to that is firstborn. So He again brought Him into the world. When did He again bring Him into the world? After He had died and was buried, He again brought Him into the world. In fact, it says there were many infallible proofs that there were many witnesses of His resurrection, so He was again brought. And, and, and this word firstborn is dealing with firstborn from the dead. That's, that's so powerful. Because it's not just dealing that He's the firstborn of God. He's dealing with being firstborn from the dead. And, and for Christians to get a hold of that, you, you can go back through your Bible and you can see multiple resurrections. Well, let's go Lazarus the firstborn from the dead. Lazarus was raised before Jesus. You go back and, and what the, you can read the story of, of, the, of the person that fell on Elisha's, was Elisha's, Elisha's bones. What happened to him? from the dead. But see, the problem there is they never came out of the dead. They were still part of the dead. That was the problem there. Jesus, when, when He raised from the dead, He came out of it. And, and that's what your salvation is based upon. And it's part of His kingship, you know, because He's making this decree of the Son according to His kingship. He's not just making this decree. He says, I have set my king on my holy hill, and here's the decree, Thou art my son, even my firstborn, or only begotten. That's what He's making a, a decree according to. Is him coming out of the grave? See, see, because there he, he he defeated, and we talked about this last week to a measure. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He defeated it. Yeah. But he came completely out of it. And, I, and I'm going to say this again for for people that may not have been here last week. A lot of people wonder where do people go when they physically die. Where are you going to go after you die? 
Some people say you're going to go lay in the grave. For what? Some people say you're going on with the Lord. Some people say both of them. You listen to people at a funeral, in one minute they're telling you that person died, they went on to be with the Lord. The next minute they're telling you someday they're going to be raised up. What happened was Jesus changed the situation. And that's what people don't understand. When, when I'm in Christ and I die physically or my body dies, my flesh dies, I'm still in Christ. Amen. That doesn't change because I no longer have an earthly tent. Doesn't change. That's what he changed. When he rose from the dead, the Bible declares in one place he brought those with him. So when he rose, the power of his resurrection is he brings you out of the dead. And that's what we don't see. He's first born from the dead. Revelation 1, starting in verse 4, Revelation 1 says, John, I'll let y'all get there. Thank you, Jesus. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia. So in John's day, there were seven churches in Asia. There's probably a whole lot more there now. Or seven gatherings of the body of Christ. Grace to you and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before His throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who he loves, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. He did what to us? Released us from our sins. Yes. See, we, 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 we don't think we can get free from sins. He said he released us. <laughs> what he said. By His blood, and He has made us to be a kingdom. I love how this translation reads. He has made us to be a kingdom. kingdom. Priests Priest. to His God and Father. To Him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So He's made us to be priests. So what are you? You're a priest. I'm a priest. We're all priests. So, so it's kind of like old McDonald had a farm here, here chick, there chick, everywhere chick, chick. The Lord has a kingdom. Here a priest, there a priest, everywhere a priest. A kingdom of priests. A kingdom of priests. And see what this kingdom should be giving is bread and wine. If they understand it, they should be constantly breaking bread and wine. 
Sometimes people say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You're a priest. I, I do. I, I must say, I don't know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to offer bread and wine, or bread and oil. However you want, you have the oil of gladness. Yes. You have it. So what you're supposed to do is give it. Freely you have received, freely you give. So you give what you've received of God. That's what you do. So if God gave you mercy, then you give mercy. It's like I hear people, and, I, and, and this is really recently just got a hold of me. I hear people say, I can forgive, but I can't forget. You don't know your word then. I asked someone recently, I said, does God remember your sins? The person said, yeah. And I said, no. And then I took them to Hebrews 8 and I read to them, Hebrews 8, that thy sins and iniquities will I remember no more. So, so when, when we read the Scripture, we love to quote the Scripture, especially if you're in deep life teaching, you love to quote the Scripture in John, that when He shall appear, you'll be like Him. Well, if He doesn't remember sins and iniquities anymore against Him, and I'm going to be like Him, so again, as a priest of the Most High God, I don't remember sins and iniquities anymore, so I'm not going to stand up and tell you what you did to me ten years ago. That's right. Because there's a working of His life going on in me. And because His life is going on in me, I can forgive. And forget. Let it go. Let it roll off your back. See, see, that's the nature of the kingdom. See, the nature of the king is our king doesn't hold anything against us because the simplicity of that is he took our sin in the body of his flesh and crucified it and put it away. So, so he put it away so it be so it would be out of his remembrance, and now he deals with us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh, come on. So our salvation is based on his resurrection. That's why I wrote this on Facebook yesterday. That's why when you get born again, anyone that's had a born again experience with the Lord they'll say they've become like completely clean because that's really what's happened. Because the work of the cross, the, the work of Calvary has now come into your heart. The work of Calvary where, that, where, where Jesus had been crucified for your sins because your sins have been placed on Him and now you've received Him, Right? You receive Him in your heart. And that's why, that's why that happens because the reality of what He's done, you may not know that's what happened, 
But the reality of what he's done for a moment appears in your heart. And in that moment, anybody ever had that morning experience and that felt like every weight was just lifted off the shoulders? I did. And the reason you felt like that is because it was. It was placed on him. And what you were feeling when you felt that force was his resurrection. Because his resurrection, when he was quickened, that was your quickening. You're you're being made alive. So in in the salvation born again experience, that's what we experience is the death of him taking away our sins and the life of him coming forth. But we experience it. See, because he didn't need to do that for himself, folks. (laughs) He told, before Abraham was, I am. So, So he didn't need to do that for himself, but God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten, and then you get in that word only begotten. I'm going to read you the definition, and we're going to come back to the firstborn, and I've got to watch my time. Monogene, something like that. And mono means one, and gene. So one gene as in our genetic makeup. He is the only one who carries the same gene as the father. That's what this one guy wrote. The only unique one of a kind. So when you get into the word only begotten, it's the gene of God. It's like you have... The gene, we say we have the genes of our Father. Well, if you've been birthed again, you have the gene of God in you. Amen. That's what you've been born again with, is the very gene of God. You get, you get, you get all this, you, you know, go back to school and go back and learn biology. If I knew... I was going to get a spiritual application, Brother Andrew. I would have paid more attention to it <laughs> than I did. Because I didn't really love biology back then. <laughs> so, so you have in you the gene of God. Amen. God, I feel that. So, so, so that gene of God is in you to produce what He is. That's why it's in you. Because every seed brings forth, the Bible declares, its own kind. So a a chicken brings forth a chicken. So the seed of God brings forth God. It brings forth the nature of God, and, and He's after the nature of Himself in you. That's what He's after. Why do you think Brother James started comparing the, the, the early and latter rain? And the early and latter rain was speaking of the planting and harvest. Because at harvest time you have the full ear in the corn. You don't just have 
a, a, a corn stalk in the ear you, that you can open and, and you have, have it made, right? You, you, you can see it, but it's not right. So it's not the full ear. It's not mature. And so, so when I deal with maturity in the Bible, maturity, I'm dealing with the fullness, the full ear of corn. So Jesus, when He come in the flesh, and, I, and you know how I believe. You know I believe He was God. But when He come in the flesh, the, the full, the, the nature in Him, What's God? Yes, he was. My God. And so, he destroyed the grip of Satan on you that what you could have in you was the nature of God. See, See, this is what most in the church don't get told. You can have the nature of God. Because you get told it's just coming and doing good and not doing bad and gets better by and by. That's a good way of saying it, Calvin. And the reality, though, is the nature of God, the seed that produces the nature of God, has entered into me. That's what has happened. The seed that produces the same nature as the Father has entered into me to bring it forth. Not just to enter me, but in me, in my mind. And so I have to get a hold of the firstborn because that applies to my salvation. So when I read these terms, firstborn from the dead, if I never understand them, then, I, then I, I, I'm not understanding my very salvation of God in Christ. So, I, so you say, why do I need to understand all that? Because He wrote it. <laughs> do, you think, do you think God just took the time, which time doesn't mean anything to Him, so He just moved up on Brother Peter and Brother Paul, and they just wrote a bunch of words for us to never figure them out. And keep singing songs about the sweet bye bye instead of declaring the here and now. Amen. Glory to God. So, so I'm going to figure this Bible out in the sweet bye bye. Why? Why? Why write it? Why don't you send me a few pages and tell me to believe in Jesus, be good, and one day I'll go to heaven? Instead of giving me this big complicated book. And then the easy answer is, well, you understand it someday. Why, why even give me the big complicated book? <laughs> right. Why, why even do that? He gave you the big complicated book because it's His Word. It's declaring the Word that's actually inside of you. That's what it's really doing. It's declaring the Word that's inside of you that you have in you to be conformed to His image. So, so So we're in this firstborn. And this firstborn Son, this only begotten Son, is the exact, you know, is the gene of God in the earth. So He comes in the earth and lets a corn of wheat fall into the earth and die, it abides alone. 
So, so unless he dies, he's the only one got this gene. Right. Come on but if he dies, he's going to bring forth a harvest, much fruit. Yes. Hello, harvest. See, see, the thing is, you're the harvest. Because the harvest time wasn't the planting of the seed, was it? You go harvest the crop when it gets planted. See, we, we've almost taught that in the church, that that's harvest time. Harvest isn't the planting of the, of the crop. It's when the crop has what? Fruit. When it becomes ripened. So, so now we become ripe when His nature starts coming alive in us. And that's what He wants. He wants His very nature to come alive in you. Do you want that? Do you expect that? Is that what you're after? Yes. Man, I, I wish they'd told me that when I was in Sunday school and I was 12 years old that God wants His nature in you. Not just to be a good little boy, but He wants the divine nature in you. And how He's going to form it is He's going to show you Himself. Because unless He shows you Himself... You, you can't know His nature. So that's why Jesus came into humanity so God could show you Himself. Because that's what He was after was His image, His divine image in you, His nature. So, we, so we're firstborn, and, and, and the reason... Firstborn is because he's firstborn out of the dead. Go to Colossians 1. Start at verse 12. I love this. So, Paul writes here in Colossians 1, verse 12, and I think this is the New American Standard, whatever, I copied it off the Internet. So whatever translation I have here, pretty sure New American Standard says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. Who qualified us? The Father. He did. So if God qualified you, how qualified do you have to get? You just have to realize it in your heart. And, the, and that's the challenge is, is realizing that in our heart. He has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints and life. So He qualified us to share in the inheritance. So He's qualified us to get inheritance. Amen. Of the saints in light, for He rescued us from the domain of darkness. So you're rescued from darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God. So He's the image of the invisible God. So you can say, Jesus is the image of God. Right. Set no other image before me. So people can say, well, I think it's alright if some people love Buddha all they want. Jesus is the image. Amen. Sorry. He doesn't have another image. No, sir. Zero. And, and that's got to be formed in our mind. There's not another image of Him. This is the only one. 
He, he's the image of the invisible God. The first, here's this beautiful word again, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. So everything was created for Him. All things. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Firstborn from where? The dead. So that He Himself will come to have first place or preeminence in everything. So I can't, and what does that mean to me? I read this and so what? What does it mean to me? So I can jump up and down. He's the firstborn from the dead. But what does it mean to me? So now the preeminence is His and the authority is His. So now I can share, remember when we read that, that we could share in the inheritance of the saints in life. Now I can share in His firstborn. Life from the dead. I can share in it. So I have an inheritance in what he did. So when he come out of the dead, he brought me and you out with him. Yes, he did. From the dead. So now I have to qualify what's the dead. That's more than just dead bodies. Now he did that. Says his body never saw corruption, so I have to believe the Word of God. So he absolutely did that. But who are the dead? Now, now that does speak of people physically dead. But it speaks more than that. It speaks more than that. Paul, Paul gives you a good hint. More than a hint. Flip over to Ephesians 2. Oh And you, and you should read this on down to about 23 where I was at. But I'm going to stop there. Ephesians 2. says, verse 1, Ephesians 2, verse 1, and you, if, I'm, if I leave out part of the, the part grayed out, it would say, and you, when you were dead through your trespasses and sins. Now, now King James and American Standard puts that, did he make alive or quicken? And, and that's rightfully so, because he says that on down here, but actually in the Greek, when you see something italicized in your Bible, it means it's not there. They add it. And you, when you were dead through your trespass and sins, wherein you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the powers of the air, of the spirit that now worketh in the sons of disobedience, verse 2 now, now I'm at 3, among whom we also once lived in the lusts of our flesh, once lived, doing the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy for His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead through our trespass, so we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive. That's why it's okay to put that up there. Because we are quickened. But, but He's showing you that you were dead through trespass and sin. So be dead. 
So when He raised from the dead, He raised out from among not just dead bodies. He raised out from those who were dead in trespass and sins. And you have He quickened. Hear that. And you have He quickened. He's quickened you out from those dead in trespass and sin. So we have an idea we're just like everybody else. No, if you have been born again, you're not like everybody else. Now, that doesn't make you arrogant. But you're carrying around the very seed of God. So you're carrying in you their salvation. What everybody else needs. That's what you're carrying in you, the very seed of God. So you're, you're made alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Man, this is a powerful grace. Not only did grace release me from sins, but grace made me alive with Christ. Yes. And if I look at that word grace, it means the divine influence upon the heart and what it produces. So what the divine influence upon the heart is, is Jesus Christ crucified and raised from the dead. That's the divine influence that's now upon our heart. That's grace. Because so, in that is the forgiveness of sin, in that is the removing of sin, but also in that is the coming forth of life. And a lot of people preach about the removing of sins, and, and we have to understand that. I believe that. But, but a lot of times they never get to what came forth. You are quickened or made alive together with Him and raised up with Him. And not just raised up with Him, made to sit with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And again, I can take out the word places here because it's italicized. Made to sit in the heavens in Christ Jesus. So, so, amen. It even sounds better. Better. I'm all right with places because you can say there's multiple places in Christ. So I'm all right with that. But I'm made to sit in His victory and authority over sin, death, hell, and the grave. Because He's seated at the right hand of God. So I'm made to sit at the same authority He's in. That's right. So because He never dies, neither will I. Ever. If He's my life. Because my life is no longer Him. I say this often to this body. It is hens to Him. So this body can die tomorrow, but my life is now Him. Glory to God. And that's what is in my salvation. That's in my salvation. That's in this big picture. And I'm going to read you one more Scripture. And if I go five minutes over to 60... I apologize. But Romans, 
And I have many more scriptures, but I'm going to read you this one. Romans, Romans, Romans 5. One day I'll just have to stand here and read you the scriptures I put down. So Romans... Five. Everybody at Romans 5, I'm not yet. I was looking for it in my notes and don't know in this big group of notes exactly where I put it, so I'm going to have to dig it out of my Bible. All right? So, therefore, verse 12, as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin... And so death passed upon all men for that all sins. Not just physical death, but death. Dead to God passed upon all men, dead in trespass and sins. Passed upon all men for until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned. Have you ever asked what that means, it reigned? It had authority. Yes. It reigned. It had authority over you. From Adam unto Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the likeness of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come, but not as the trespass, so also is the free gift. For if by the trespass of one the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound unto many. And not as though the one that sins so is the gift, for the judgment came up to one unto condemnation, but the free gift came up to many trespasses unto justification. For if by the trespass of one death reigned, death reigned, had authority through the trespass of one, much more shall they that receive the abundance of grace. And like I just told you, grace is more than just it's part of it, the forgiveness of sins, but they receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life. What do you reign in? in life. life. Through the one, even Jesus Christ. Now, I was looking for one particular verse here, and it must have been down below. Like I said, I couldn't find my notes. It's verse 10. So I'm going to flip backwards now to verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. So we were reconciled through the death. Much more. In other words, more than that. Being reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So my salvation is that firstborn son raised from the dead. Now when I get in this, that's the starting point. You know, because in that firstborn son is all the fullness of God. In thy presence is fullness of joy Forevermore. So, so when, when that becomes real in me, I'm not part of the dead. I'm not even there anymore. Amen. Through the work of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Have you, have you ever noticed that I'm, I'm, I'm stopping, I'm at 59 minutes, and I'm stopping here in a second, I'll ter- put my Bible down, but talk to you a couple more minutes. Have you ever noticed, do you know Paul's last name? Bob was talking about the names this morning. I don't think it was Stanley, Kathy, I really don't. <laughs> he may have been. So Paul Stanley, she says. The Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus. Don't think it tells you Paul's last name, Peter's last name, John's last name, Little. John Little, Paul Little. Paul Little. So what, what, do you, what do you think the significance of that is? You got it. Because they're, they're called up in Him. So, so, so they're... they're, they're, they're history of who they were didn't really matter. Right. They became ministers, not of who they were, but they became ministers of who He is. See, there was a difference of what they were doing. They weren't here telling you who they were. You know, Paul went through in one place of his pedigree, and he said said about it, I count that as rubbish. He said, he said, that's worthless. My pedigree, all the education, all the things I had are worthless. And, and, and I hear Christians talk about athletes, and I've got caught up with athletes or movie stars or singers, and I want to tell you right now, if they don't have the life of God in them, they may have all the money in the world, but they have not made it. They have not made it. That is not making it. Making it is his life. And I'll never, and I've said this to you before. I walked out, and I, and I told you I'm almost done. I walked out in a garage, and it stayed with me for years because Brother Register's been, he's been so dear in my life. And I walked out in the garage, and, and Mike, the guys working for wonderful guys, so I'm not going to speak ill of Mike, he's a wonderful guy. He had a I think a $90,000 Mercedes way back then. So Lord knows how much it would have been today. And this is a long time ago. And Larry had a brand new Lincoln Continental with a round top. And I think another one may have had a Lexus. So there was, there was all this money I was sitting there where I was working. And I walked out and I looked at them. It's like for a fleeting moment I'm looking at that. And the Lord speaks to me and says, Brother Register's richer than them all. In other words, if you want to know something, son, you go crawl in the car and get with Brother Register. So you can, you can sit with, with people of wealth and people of fortune and people of fame and not find one thing of riches. Zero. Because it's going to perish. And Solomon understood this. Read Ecclesiastes. Solomon was... You read Ecclesiastes and, and, you, and you get to the history behind it. Solomon was the richest man in the, in the world. So he's, he's richer than any man had ever been of that time. So you can take Donald Trump and Bill Gates and whoever else and throw the names out there. And put up King Solomon. And a greater one than Solomon came, right? And so, so, but, but my point there is you get back in Ecclesiastes and, and Solomon starts saying, 
speaking of the rich man, that when the rich man dies, he doesn't even know, and I'm paraphrasing, he don't know what they do with his land or his money or anything. So everything he hoarded up for himself goes somebody else. They send it to me, really. But anyway, so 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 our our mind has to be caught up.